How you doing? Everybody, hello? Are you out there? Good. Okay. How's everybody doing this morning? Excited to be in the house of the Lord? I am. I am so glad. You may notice that I am not Pastor Chris. I mean, we have black glasses and facial hair, but we're we're not the same person, believe it or not. <laughs> no, I'm. If, in case you didn't recognize me without a guitar on, um, my name's Jason, and I'm the creative arts pastor here at the mission. And I'm so glad to be speaking to you guys this morning. Um, pastor Chris is away um, on district uh, CMA district um, work. And uh, he's at a high school camp right now. Um, he works part-time for the district as well. So he's over there. So he wishes you guys well and says hi and loves you guys and misses you guys. And So uh, you're stuck with me today, though. I hope that's okay. <laughs> so, all right. So we're in a series now called um, Connect, Grow, Serve. And if you haven't been around, I encourage you to go back to the podcast and yeah, there's video and audio options. Go back to the podcast. Get caught up. There's two sermons before this one. We're on our second week of Connect. And Connect, Grow, Serve is our action plan as a church. We want, uh, we want everyone who is a part of this church to connect with God and others, to grow in their relationship with God and to serve Jesus and serve the community. And so that's our action plan. It's as simple as that. We're making it simple on purpose because we want it to be um, a, a, an easy thing for you to get involved with however you feel comfortable. So so we're in this sermon series right now, Connect, Grow, Serve. Um, now, we're on the second week of Connect, and I wanted to tell you guys a little story about myself um, as a kid. Uh, have you ever had to do something? Anybody ever had to do something that they like did not want to do, and you like wanted to run away and like go hide under a pillow? You know, like you did not want to do it. Like who hasn't felt like that, right? If you haven't felt like that, I want to meet you and I want to be your best friend. But um, <laughs> well, back in the summer between eighth and ninth grade, something happened to me that made me want to run away and live in the jungle with the apes. Yeah, it was that bad. <laughs> the story begins at a friend's house the night before the first um, high school football camp that I had ever been to. And yes, believe it or not, I did play football. Um, my friend and I thought it would be a good idea to give each other haircuts with clippers. Um, you know, to make us look tough, right? You know, like... And this was, uh, this was back in the 90s when, when people used to get like designs and stuff in the back and sides of their heads, right, you know? And so, um, so I thought, I, I was trying to think of something cool to go in the back of my head, right, for full, for football camp, right? Cause who doesn't think of that kind of stuff? And, um, especially in the 90s. And, uh, so anyway, so I came up with something I thought was cool. It was a money sign. Like, cause who doesn't like money, right? So I, so, uh, so I'm like, okay. So I talked to my friend and I'm like, look, can you do this? Like, like, I know you've never cut anybody's hair before, but can you do this? And he's like, oh yeah, like I can totally do this. Like, come on. A money sign is well within my expertise. Like, come on. And so I'm like, okay, like, like who, 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 like, like, why not? You know, that, that's basically what I was thinking. So. So I let him. Why not, right? You know, and so, well, I bet you can imagine 
where the story goes from here. <laughs> the He shaved the worst looking money sign in the history of all money signs in the back of my head. And not only did he do it, but the money sign encompassed the whole back of my head. Like literally, I'm not joking, from top to bottom. Like it was, it was huge and it was, it, and it looked like a whopper jawed S. Like it was, it was ugly. And so it wasn't too long. It wasn't too long before his parents came and found us, you know, and, and, uh, they saw what we were doing and they were like, ah, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden he like was not interested in getting a haircut by me. Like I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that, but he just like, he all of a sudden just like pulled out of the deal and didn't want me to cut his hair. But, <laughs> but, um, so anyway, so his parents found us and they called my parents. My parents were really, really upset. Like they were not happy. And I'm like, mom, I can't go to high school football camp like this. Like I'm fresh out of eighth grade. Like, you know, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot go to football camp like this. This is crazy. And they're, my, my, my parents were always creative with punishment. So they came up with some doozies and, and this one, they were like, no, you're going to go to football camp. You're going to go. And you're not going to be allowed to wear any hats or bandanas at football camp the whole week. And because they don't have helmets in football camp, right? No, they don't. So literally, I was not allowed to cover this up in any way, shape or form. They were going to let the football players bring the punishment, basically, you know. And uh, and so I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, like I was just I was mortified. I was like not interested in going to football camp. So fast forward a couple of days. I survived the first few days of football camp, right? Um, although the varsity players had taken to calling me Richie Rich. Like, I don't know if you know who Richie Rich is, but he's an old cartoon character, comic book character, and that's him. But yeah, so that's what that's what the players, the varsity players had taken to calling me Richie Rich. And, and uh, if you don't... Uh, I was just like surviving the camp at that point, basically. Like, I, and and so I made some friends, and I felt like I was going to make it through the camp, actually, relatively unharmed. <laughs> and I'll never forget in a million years for the rest of for the rest of the time I'm on this earth, I'll never forget what happened next. We were practicing a drill that involved running off the line of scrimmage, hitting someone holding a big blue pad. And then rolling off to the side. And uh, so right before my turn comes up, um, a person, the person holding the big blue pad took a break and handed it to someone else. It was a varsity starter named Johnny. Johnny was one of those guys that had been shaving since birth. <laughs> and... Uh, and basically, you know, like he was in high school, but he easily could have been the strong man in a circus. Like, like, like that's how he was, you know. And have you ever seen those high school kids that look like, dang, you're only like 17? That's weird. You look like 30 or something. Anyways, um, when, they, when the group of guys that I was with saw who was holding the pad that I was about to run and hit, they, they started agging me on a little bit. They started to chant. Richie, 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 which was not my name, but for some reason it pumped me up anyways, I don't know why, but um, 
So I decided, strong man or not, strong man or not, I'm going to lay this guy out. I'm going to hit him with the hardest hit I can muster. I'm going to show him what I am made of, you know. And uh, so the whistle blows. And I take off running. And as fast as my scrawny legs will carry me, looking back, this whole thing seems like it's, it's running in slow motion. But uh, I was running, right? And the guys are chanting, Richie, Richie. And I start to get close, and he braces himself for contact. And But I was so focused on hitting him hard that I didn't crouch down low enough. So I miss the pad completely and hit him with both forearms right in the mouth. He stumbles back a few feet, then hits the ground covering his face. I wasn't exactly sure what happened to him until I turned around and almost fainted. I had put Johnny's tooth all the way through his lip. I stood there frozen, paralyzed by fear. For a few seconds, I was seriously considering running away, never coming back to this school ever again, finding a nice community of apes that liked people in the jungle and living the rest of my days out with them. But I couldn't do it. I knew what I had to do. I knew what the right thing was to do. But I was absolutely terrified. (sighs) So, I stood there frozen. And it felt like an eternity. (laughs) But it was actually probably like a minute. And so I work up my courage and like, I take a step toward Johnny. I take like another I sort of take another and and I'm like working my way slowly uh, over to him. And finally I get over next to Johnny and the coaches and he's laying on the ground and the coaches are taking care of him. And I, and I get over close and he looks at me. I'm like, and fi- finally I work, I, I work up the courage to say, are you okay? I am so Sorry. Oh, man. The coaches stood Johnny up, and he looked at me. He reached towards me. (laughs) He reached towards me and just patted me on the back. Forgiveness, right? Forgiveness. I was so relieved. And just then, they took him to the hospital to get his lip sewed up. Um, But I'm telling you guys, there was a moment where I was absolutely ready to run away and never, ever look back. But I knew what I had to do. I had to get Johnny this message that I was sorry and that, and, and that I needed to ask him for forgiveness. And even though I was afraid, I didn't let fear stop me from doing what I knew was right. So today I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah. Jonah's story is well known throughout the ages, uh, 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 well known throughout all ages actually, as the man who was swallowed by a big fish. But sometimes we forget certain important details about the story. 
It begins similarly to my football story. Jonah knew he had to do something, and he felt like running away. God had given Jonah a very important message to deliver, but he did not want to do it. But unlike my story, it wasn't because he was scared, it was because he hated the people who the message was was for. God had asked Jonah to go tell the people of the city of Nineveh that in 40 days, if they didn't change their ways, he was going to destroy their city. This was back in the Old Testament when God used to get crazy on people like that. (laughs) Jonah's anger burned inside of him so deeply that he couldn't even bring himself to deliver the message. And that, my friends, is where God decides to take this story up a notch or three. We're going to pick it up in the book of Jonah, which is in the Old Testament, chapter 1. So if you want to turn there, I'll give you a second to get there. Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After praying or paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So let's stop right there at verse 3 for a second. So let's stop right there. The Bible tells us that Jonah was a prophet, which means God used to speak to him directly. And he made a vow to God that he would communicate God's will to the people God desired. The book of Jonah starts with the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against it. Jonah never really says why he hates the Ninevites so much, but the Bible tells us that they were guilty of plots against God, exploiting the helpless, cruel atrocities in war, idolatry, prostitution, and witchcraft. And all of which is why, all of which Jonah's countrymen, countrymen I'm sure, had witnessed. So when God asked Jonah to go there and preach, Jonah's like, no way, you know, like I'm not going there. And in my opinion, that's the thing you kind of have to appreciate about Jonah. He's, he's completely transparent with his feelings. He's very straightforward, like a heart on his sleeve kind of guy. God tells him to go to Nineveh and he's like, nope, one ticket for Tarshish, please. You know, um, so if you look on this map over here, you see, uh, you see Joppa. Joppa's right here. And this is where Jonah is. This is actually modern day Tel Aviv, Israel. And uh, so you, you go up there, and there's Nineveh. That's where God wants him to go, right? And that's actually Mosul, Iraq now. Um, but so that's where Jonah wants him to go, right? Or God wants Jonah to go. But Jonah... Oh, Jonah. (laughs) He buys a ticket and boards a ship for Tarshish, which is is near modern-day Seville, Spain. And that's way over here. So literally, 
I mean, if you're looking at this map, literally, Jonah doesn't just say no to God. He says no and buys a ticket and boards a ship for as far away as he could possibly get in the opposite direction of where God wants him to go. Have you ever been there? On the run from God? Let's see what happens next. So we're picking it up in verse 4, chapter 1. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he, had lay, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up! Call on your God! Maybe he will take... Notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and they, and they fell to Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Are you? He answered, I am Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from God because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, let's stop right there. Can you imagine being those sailors? I mean, that must have been crazy. The storm is raging. It's about to capsize the boat, right? And you turn to Jonah and you're like, what do we do, man? And Jonah's like, sorry guys, I know this is my fault. I guess you'll have to throw me overboard and save yourselves. And the sailors are like, really, bro? And then Jonah's like, yeah, really, really, really. I'm Jonah, I don't kid about these things. And the sailors are like, dude, nah, bro. Because for some reason the sailors in my head are from Huntington Beach. I don't know why. But. <laughs> and so, they continue, so the sailors continue to wrestle with the storm until the boat is about to sink. Then, maybe and then they decide maybe Jonah wasn't kidding. They say a prayer preemptively asking God's forgiveness for throwing this crazy man overboard. And then they chuck him over. 
And when Jonah hits the water, everything becomes calm, eerily still. And the sailors are like, dude. (laughs) Those sailors committed themselves to the Lord from then on. We pick up our scripture in Jonah 17, right before the second chapter and the most famous part of Jonah's story. Now the Lord provided a huge fish. Now Jonah's already in the water at this point. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your temple, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah was in the belly of the big fish for three days and nights. During that time, he prayed this beautiful prayer of thanksgiving for God, sparing his life. His prayer is not one of deliverance from the big fish because he realizes already that the only reason he's still alive at all is because God is allowing it. It's very important that we take notice that Jonah was in no position to bargain with God. Jonah had boldly disobeyed God and he did not deserve his mercy. And being in that big fish's belly was kind of like being buried alive. But instead of bargaining with God for his life, he prayed a prayer of thanksgiving and rededication to his vow as a messenger of God. He says, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So after three days and nights in the big fish's belly, God hears Jonah's prayer and commands the the big fish to spit him out. The scriptures actually say vomit, but I think there's been enough of that going around. So, uh, so I'm so I'm gonna say spit. Actually, side note: 
if you have the iPhone or an iPad, the, the Bible app has an audio feature on it, and uh, you can listen to the scripture read out loud. And, and in the NIV translation, the guy says vomit like super funny. Like he's, he doesn't mean to be funny, but he's super serious. He's so serious. And, jaw, uh, and God commanded the big fish to vomit. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So uh, I listened to it probably 50 times. Anyways, back to the story. Sorry, brief side note. Um, so Jonah's out of the big fish's belly. He's been resurrected in a sense. And with a new lease on life, God's word comes to him one more time. And can you guess what that word was? Go to Nineveh. That's right. Get your behind to Nineveh. And Jonah said, okay, okay, I will. <laughs> so Jonah traveled to Nineveh. He begins telling people what God had told him. That in 40 days, Nineveh would be overthrown. Much to Jonah's surprise, the people started to panic a little because they actually believed that what Jonah was saying was from God. The people began to fast and repent. And when God's word finally reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and began to mourn and repent. He declared a citywide fast for all people that they should call upon God in prayer and repent of their evil ways so that maybe God would spare them. I bet that surprised Jonah. When God saw what they did and how sincere they were, he relented and decided not to destroy the city of Nineveh. He showed them mercy. But Jonah at this point, Jonah is furious with God. God has just shown the Ninevites mercy just like he showed Jonah mercy when he was in the belly of the whale, just like he showed mercy to the sailors on the ship. And here Jonah is furious with God for giving compassion to the Ninevites. And he began to pray in anger to God. Let's pick it up in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I was, that's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. So basically what Jonah is praying is, I knew it, God. I knew it. I knew you would have mercy on them. That's why I was trying to run away, because I knew you'd forgive them. Well, guess what? They don't deserve your forgiveness. And now you've made a fool of me because you changed your mind about the word you gave me to deliver. Ah. Just, why don't you just kill me now? Jonah's a little dramatic. <laughs> God could have gotten angry with Jonah very easily. God could have answered Jonah's request to die very easily. And he had good cause to be angry with Jonah. But God didn't. God, he, God it's true what Jonah said about God. God is a gracious 
and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. So knowing that Jonah has a little flair for the dramatic, instead of wiping Jonah off the map, God decides to do something really cool. He teaches Jonah a lesson in a way that he could understand it. So let's pick up the scripture in in chapter 4, verse 3. Now, Jonah here is, is still pitching a hissy fit. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose... God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I have, should, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals? So after God spares the Ninevites, Jonah basically goes out to the desert to sulk and to see if the Ninevites mess up this chance that God has given them. But God isn't done with Jonah yet. He still hasn't learned his lesson. While in the desert, God lovingly gives Jonah some shade by making a leafy plant grow. Growing in the desert. A leafy plant. God is so cool. And Jonah becomes so happy about the plant because it made his new, like, sulking shelter even more comfy. Because it gave him even more shade. But God changes the atmosphere around Jonah's new plant friend and makes it wither and die. And that was the last straw for Jonah. He just starts to become like unglued and he is asking for the Lord to take his life. And the Lord, in a massively cool, like Yoda-like moment, says, do you have a right to be angry over the plant? And Jonah's like, heck yes I do. I'm so mad I could die. And God says, you're so concerned about this plant that I gave you yesterday. You didn't grow it or care for it. It was here one day and gone the next. 
you're that concerned about the plant, shouldn't I be concerned with the great city of Nineveh? Because there are thousands and thousands of people there who need to know my love. They need to know that I'm a father who loves and cares for them. I want to see them do good and succeed. Right now, they're like children who need to be taught their right from their left. I mean, you're so concerned about this plant. Shouldn't I be concerned with them? It's funny how quickly we forget the mercy that God has shown us. How quick we are to look down on someone else for the way they are living. Jonah didn't realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that the mercy that he showed the sailors on that boat is the same mercy that he showed Jonah in the belly of the big fish is the same mercy that he showed the Ninevites is the same mercy that he shows to me and to you. He wants everybody to know what Jonah said about him is true. That he is a gracious, compassionate God who's slow to anger and abounding with love. And no matter who you are or what you've done, He is anxiously awaiting the day when He can lavish His grace upon you, wipe away your tears, and be in connection with you. That's the God we serve. Let me ask you something. You think this message is still true today? Do you think it was only for the Ninevites? Or Jonah? No. Do you think it's true for today? Yes. Do you think it's an important message for people to hear? So I want to speak directly to the church people for a minute. If you've been a believer or a church attender for a long time, I'm speaking to you right now. God has tasked us with delivering a message. Just like He did Jonah. A message to our community. An important message. Simply put, that God loves them and wants to connect with them. And that the only way we're going to be successful in delivering this message is if we ourselves leave this building and reach out and connect with our community. Connecting with the community around us can be an intimidating thing because people are messy. It feels so much safer to stay closed up in these walls and let the people who are already interested in church just like come to us. But in my opinion, that's taking the easy way out. Sometimes we can get so paralyzed by the fear of how people are going to respond to this message, like the sailors were afraid of how God would respond when Jonah told them to throw him over the boat. Other times we can get so angry at the decisions we see people in the community making, and it's tempting to sit back in judgment and just like wait and see if they get what we think they deserve. That's not what God has called us to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
God has called us to connect with the people around us in a way that they hear the message of God's love and mercy, whether it's in your neighborhood, at a school, your job, the coffee shop you frequent, or the little league practice you coach. There are hurting, misguided people everywhere. And it's our job to make sure God's message is heard. And it's a message that God loves them and wants to connect with them. In my favorite band of all times, U2's newest song, Invisible, there's a line in the bridge where Bono just repeatedly sings this simple but profound line. There is no them. It's only us. There is no them. It's only us. I love that line so much because it's so true. Romans 3.23 says, We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Down here on earth, it's just us. No one is better than anyone else. We are all messy people. But we have to take care of each other. Hate and judgment never brought anyone who was lost back to the Lord. So that means we have to be brave and lay aside our differences. One of the biggest lies that the church has bought into is that we have to agree with someone to love them. That is not true. We have to lay aside our differences and reach out to this community and connect with each other, take care of each other. God went to great lengths to make sure the city of Nineveh heard this message. Shouldn't we do the same for our community? Now I want to speak to the, the people who aren't Christians in the room. This message that I'm speaking about from God, just like it was for me, it's for you. Just like God had mercy on the sailors, Jonah and the Ninevites, He will have mercy on you if you ask for it. There was a second there, like I said, at the beginning of the message where I wanted to run away from this enormous football player that I had just massively injured. But instead, I swallowed my pride. I worked up the courage and I asked for forgiveness. And instead of meeting the fate that I deserved, which was to be clobbered, I was forgiven. Hear this. There is no place far enough for you to outrun God. He's always there. There's no sin that God can't forgive. His mercies are new every day. And because of what Jesus, the Son of God, did on the cross, at any time we can choose to be bold and say, enough is enough. I'm tired of running. God, I want you in my life. I want to connect with you. Forgive me. I need you. God's grace and mercy is for everyone. And that's the message He wants you to hear 
That's the message He wants us to deliver to our community. So we need to connect with our community. As the worship team comes, and let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, I thank You that You went to great lengths to share this message of grace with me as a young man. I thank You for all the Christians in the room, God, that this message was shared with them at some point, God. Lord, help us as a church to be bold, Father. Help us as a church to be bold and and not live in fear of what might happen, God, if we were to begin to show people God's love in the community. Jesus, thank You for Your grace and mercy that is new every day, Lord. With every head down, just just real quickly, I feel like I want to ask if there's anybody in the room that has not accepted Jesus yet and they would like to. Would you just, while everybody's head's down, eyes closed, would you just pop your hand up and put it back down? So Okay. If you're in a, If you're in a not super good place with God right now, if you're on the run from God, you resonate with that. And you want to make new your commitment to God today. Would you just pop your hand up? Okay, see that. Father, thank you. We do not have the words to express our love for You, God. And as we go to song now, Lord, we thank You for what You're doing in our lives. We thank You for what You're doing in our communities, God. Jesus, help us to reach this city and beyond, Lord. Help us to deliver that message. And may they connect with You. In Jesus' name, amen.